Hey everyone, welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Hemel Javeri, joined by Steven Ruiz, head NFL writer, and our video producer, Evan Thorpe. Hey guys, what's up? Baseball. <laughs> Did we... We didn't have a podcast last week because of me. We didn't have a podcast last week, and I want to apologize for that, but I will also throw Steven under the bus because he messed up his schedule, which in turn threw everything into a tailspin, hence no podcast. I just assumed you guys would be at work, (laughs) and you guys weren't. No, no. Well, that's your first mistake. (laughs) And the fact that you came on the wrong, like, we're planned to go on Thursdays no matter what. Bold of you to assume that we would be at work, Stephen. <laughs> right. I, I do admit that I came a day early. I usually come in on Thursdays, so it's on me. I'm sorry. I apologize everyone that's listening. Profusely. All right. Now that we have uh, gotten that out of the way, we've got a lot of stuff to get into today. We're going to talk about some new NCAA rule changes, which Stephen has some thoughts on. Plus, we've got a beef of the week coming up. We have our social media post of the week And we're going to get into not sports, but whatever at the tail end of everything. All right, Stephen, walk us through this NCAA rule change. So they've made it harder for players to transfer and be eligible to play the next year. Usually they could get a waiver if they were, if there was something going bad at the school, they could get out of their commitment to the school and go play at another university the very next year. Usually you have to wait a year to play. But now they made that harder to get one of those waivers. And two of the guidelines that they added were the first one is you have to get written consent from you have to get written consent from the school saying like, yeah, we treated him horribly and that's why he's leaving. Before it was just that the player could say, yeah, I'm not getting treated correctly here. And if the university didn't appeal the uh, waiver, they would just let him play. Now they have to get the school to say, oh, yeah, we ran him out of the school. Which is never going to happen. Which is never going to happen, especially if you have a high-profile athlete that you've recruited. Yeah. When the success of your program uh, relies on you bringing in student-athletes, which is a joke of a term, then they're never going to do this. And then the second one, which might be even worse, is that students were allowed to transfer if they had, like, a sick relative. And they were transferring to a school, like, 100, I think it's 100 miles within the radius of where the relative lives. But now they, the student has to document how they're going to be a part of the caregiving oh, for this sick relative, which is ridiculous. These these student athletes already have so much to do. But right. Now and, they have to become nurses. Right. <laughs> and they have to, while while they're doing that, they have to be home health care providers as well. My only thing is, like, if you're a football player, what time of the day are you going to even have to, like, care? Well, that's, that's the point. Yeah. Because you're up. Six, and you don't go to sleep to 12. Right. I'm there to provide emotional support. I I can I send a text, maybe. <laughs> Who is this rule for, though? That's what I don't get. Yeah, my question was going to be, one, why are these rules happening? And uh, I the rules, obviously, are to protect the schools. They are not for student-athletes, right? We have some cases of athletes transferring out of one program to go to another program that might be performing better. But uh, that seems like something that a student athlete with his career on the line, with his future on the line, should be able to at least negotiate that much considering they don't get any money. I think this, like, it's not it's not off-season for college football. Would you say it's off-season? Well, yeah. Um, yeah. It but- just sounds weird calling it off-season. But, like, this summer, like, a lot of high-profile quarterbacks have changed schools. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing they don't want that to be, like, the trend – 
coming for like, oh, you're not happy, you're not starting right away, and you're just going to transfer after a year. Like, no, nah, we don't want that. But you're not paying these guys. Like, allow them to to go somewhere where they can potentially get paid. Right, and the Associated Press like published numbers on like how often the old waiver system, how often they were approved, and it was sixty eight percent, which was actually down. So the NCAA was trying to get out in front of it and say, like, we need to make it tougher for for students to transfer. But there w- wasn't really a problem. Like, it wasn't a problem. It was just, like you said, there was high-profile transfers. So fans were complaining, and then obviously coaches were complaining. Right. So they're, like, helping out. They just want to appease the fans and the coaches who already, you know, they're not student-athletes. Here's my thing. I would rather players who are supposed to be good transfer to schools because then – you could have most of your power five schools with top talent. You think about the last two Heisman winners. Did they both transfer? Yeah, they both Yeah, did. they did, yeah. So, like, I don't think it's a problem, especially if you get a guy with a name going to a school that might not be as school as the school he's coming from. It's just more money in the NCAA pockets. Why hold a college player back from playing and potentially, like, that name value go down. Because it's embarrassing for the institution. Because it's embarrassing for the institution and the program to lose top talent for whatever reason. Whether it's coaching things or it's a structural issue within the team or the school. But my concern is that if you are doing this to placate to top-tier talent and top-tier programs, it still trickles down to every single other NCAA program that you have. So potentially you've got soccer players, you've got, uh, you know, uh, tennis players, all these other athletes who are not as high profile that are still stuck in terrible programs. And these people made decisions when they were really young, right? Think about yourself when you are signing for something when you are a high school senior, and then four years later, or three years later in college, you do so much growth in that period of time. And especially for younger athletes, you can be like, oh, I kind of made a decision. This isn't the right program for me. I'm being horribly exploited here. I'm in a terrible environment and I still can't switch and I won't be able to get an education. I'm not done. So I have to stay here in this repressive environment regardless of what's happening. So they made these rules for a handful of coaches and fans who can shut the hell up. And now people are going to have to suffer. I have an idea. What? You know how in basketball you could sign a one year, two year, three or four year and basically all sports you could sign. Yeah. A this deal. is a horrible idea. I <laughs> think I think they should allow high profile college students to sign like potential one year like scholarships and be like, hey, if you don't like this school, no. you could potentially leave. Because like most of the time the high profile guys if in basketball they're leaving after one year. I mean, that's just like negotiating a contract. And that's only basketball. And that's only basketball or I, college football. I say like two years then. Every you give a two year like No. Uh, who, who do you this is the NCAA. They won't even <laughs> let people go home to take care of sick relatives. You think they're gonna let them have scholarships out right. of cart? You have what? to like somebody could say I need to transfer schools because my dad is dying. And they'd be like, actually, I'm going to see how you're going to be a part of the caregiving process. Come on. And again, like I've said, I don't, this is for high profile athletes, right? It's to stop attrition for high profile players. But when you think about how it affects every other student athlete, it's utterly ridiculous. Just in college sports altogether. I mean, don't end them. Just pay them. Give them some rights. That's that has always been the stance of this podcast. Um, and it no, will don't speak for me. Don't <laughs> don't pay them. <laughs> pay them. I enjoy it better when they're not paid. 
<laughs> you love exploiting labor. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're going to move on to, to other topics. Uh, you guys want to hit beef of the week? I feel a little fired up, so I feel like we need to hit beef yeah, of the week. Is it, is it between y'all two at this point? <laughs> it's it, Hemel versus the volume levels on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got a little heated. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, beef of the week. It's gonna be Megan Rapino versus President Trump. <laughs> I, I'm gonna. I'll let one of you guys go first on this one. I'll just explain what's happening, okay? okay? Let me give some context to this. Megan Rapino has been very vocal. Uh, she's politically outspoken. She's one of the first female athletes to take a knee, if not the first female athlete to take a knee during the anthem. She has been a strong supporter of social justice. And the U.S. Women's National Team, there was a, room, there was a rule passed recently where that said that you had to be standing and out on the field for the national anthem. So she's out on the field for the national anthem, and she also got criticized because she apparently wasn't singing along to the national anthem. I just I, the the policing of how people behave during national anthems is so ridiculous and so inconsistent. So anyway, this is background on Megan Rapino, and she also said, I guess somebody asked her, "Will you go to the White House if the U.S. Women's uh, National Team wins the World Cup?" And she said. She used the F word. She said, no, I would F word not go to the White House. Fun? <laughs> what F word? Um, so, and then Trump, you know, Trump being Trump was wildly offended by that and tweeted out that she, you know, that the U.S. Women's National Team was great, but she didn't know what she was missing. And that the WNBA, for some reason, should be really happy that black unemployment is down. Right, right. It was the NBA. Just, or the NBA. I just, I know I shouldn't laugh about this because it's so blatantly racist. And he tagged the wrong Megan Rapino in the tweet. <laughs> that just makes it so much better. First um, of all, stop disrespecting our president on this podcast. I'm just kidding. That was, yeah, it was so racist. Like it's he was so racist. He thought he was bringing up a good point, too. He was like, the NBA people don't want to come. Explain that one to me. Black uh, unemployment's down. <laughs> like, what? Oh, so I love, bad. He equates the NBA to black people. Yes, he just, he, yeah, he just. Uh, is, it's Trump. What do you expect? Like, come on now. But back to the beef of the week. The beef of the week being that then Megan Rapinoe said she stood by her original comments, except she regrets using the F word because, you know, her mom would be upset with her, which I thought was a funny way to kind of diffuse the situation, yet still um, stay true to, to her original comment. Ease up on Megan, <laughs> Mrs. Rubino. <laughs> yeah, let her say what she wants. Y'all terrible, man. Why? Why? Y'all just going at Trump like that, man. That is our president. Shh. All right, we're... <laughs> I'm going to stop this but train of conversation. Uh, um, anyway, that's our beef of the week. Uh, what else you guys got? I have the social media post of this week. Yes, let's get to it. So uh, if you don't know, we love Russell Wilson on this podcast. And we've also explained how there's been different uh, modes of Russell Wilson, how can we put this? He's going through an evolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's forever changing, he's evolving. Evolving, yes. And one night I see Russell Wilson has braids. Okay. So he went from the straight cut okay. to like the little curly fro 
and now he's rocking braids. But I have a slight problem because he had to get extensions to finish the braids. All right. So one of the things that we have said about Russell Wilson in the past is a lot of his code switching in terms of how he talks when he's with Ciara. Ciara. <laughs> how how he speaks when he's with Sierra versus sometimes how he talks on social media. There's a lot of code switching that happens with Russell Wilson. And that's not a judgment call. That's just an observation. That's Everybody, him. That's him. Everybody does it. But you're saying that the braids is a little bit of code switching. That is over the top. Like, now he's he's in the crowd. At first he was like, you know, hey, y'all. Now he's like, oh, wow, I'm really here now. And I'm like, cool, but bro, you could have waited another month to get the braids. You ain't had to put the weave in. So you think that it's inauthentic to get the extensions and then and then get the braids. Yes. I, I am somebody who had braids in this group. And you got to... Let the process go. Right. You got to go through the ugly stage where people's just looking at your hair like, what are you doing with it? And he got curly hair. So it's not like, you know, his fro would be bad. Like, you could just say, like, yo, I'm growing it out. It's the summertime. It's the fact that you put the weave in and we can tell. Because you can't go from barely getting the hair in to all of a sudden you have ends. All right. So I will give you this. This is the first time we've really talked about black hair on this podcast. And I admit I am not very familiar with the intricacies of it. So that's an allegation, right? That he probably had to get it, get the weave put in. You can see in the back how straight the hair is. Yeah. It's like it's not an allegation unless he had his hair flat ironed, which I doubt he did. I mean, maybe he did. But... I don't know. Well, whatever. The point is that it's inauthentic. Um, Even Justin Timberlake grew his hair out he went through the ugly stage when you remember when he had corn yeah, oh, yeah. even he had that <laughs> so that's what i'm saying you can't just jump from a to b a to c you got to go through b which is the ugly phase women do it all the time though women get extensions now we get that <laughs> because society has made it okay for yeah. women to get extensions right but for the black males, yeah. it's like, bro, uh-uh. The standards are different. You got to go for through the ugliness. Yeah. Like like dreads, you got to go through the doo-doo balls in your head. And it's it's like you have to. You just can't say I'm getting fake dreads. Because that because the the style means something and you have to earn that yeah. style. Cuz when you have braids, like you get a certain level of respect. Right. And you just can't come with a, a low cut one week and then mm-hmm. two weeks later it's like, yo, he got braids? Uh-uh. One respect. Only one person in this world has been able to do that and it's Lil B. Lil B got dreads and he had a low cut two weeks before but Lil B is the base mm. guy so he can get away with it. My, if Evan came in with extensions one day, what would your reaction be? It would not be, well, women do it. It would not. <laughs> You'd be like, you would what, what roast is wrong him. with you? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I would roast you because I think I agree with you. I think that it requires a level of commitment for it to be authentic. And if you don't get that, it's uh, it's just vanity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Russell Wilson, if this is the if if this is the real like final stage of Russell it's not, Wilson. It's not. I'm fine with it. If he comes out and performs like an MVP, maybe the braids help. <laughs> I think he I don't think he's gonna wear them. I think this was just for summertime thing. No, it was just for likes on Instagram or whatever. Oh, that's on. even worse. He was clout chasing. Oh God, I, and that's the worst chasing. part. Like, don't be a clout chaser, man. Just, but that's what he's become. I feel like. So the question is, did he buy the hair himself? Oh, no, no. Somebody got. It. He has like eight million assistants. Somebody, some stylist came to him and was like, "This is what we should do." I think he went with them 
so next time he knows what to ask for. Give me that Brazilian number nine, <laughs> flat iron, so these braids can look good. And Sierra probably was like, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's us for hair politics of the week, which probably won't be a recurring segment. But I feel like I learned a lot. I did not know all the intricacies of what uh, went into braids. So now I feel a little bit more better informed. A little cultured. A little cultured. Yeah. Yeah. A little, a little less ignorant. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's end the podcast with not sports, but whatever, which I think Steven's going to have to run wild on because I don't know anything about this. Yeah, you guys need to start watching The Bachelorette so we can have an informed discussion about this. So I'm talking about Luke P, who is the super villain of this season. He is a crazy person. Luke P looks like Bryce Harper, by the way. So The Bachelorette is the one where she runs through a whole series of guys looking for like happily ever after. Right. There's right. a it starts out with 30 men in the house and like right away her and Luke P like were instantly attracted to each other. And I think it was just attraction. But Luke P's like Bryce Harper but short he's a short version of Bryce Harper. And if you gave Bryce Harper even more steroids. <laughs> I'm joking. Bryce Harper doesn't take steroids. Wink, wink. Please don't say us. <laughs> we'll talk about my guy. But anyway, this this is what happened this week. Hannah B. They were in Latvia. I don't Hannah B. is the Bachelorette. She's the Bachelorette. Okay. She was in Latvia. She went on a one on one date. That happens every week. You go. She goes on one date with one guy, and they went bungee jumping with no clothes on. They were naked. Because that's what Latvians do, apparently. I don't, why, yeah, I, there's a lot to get into in that one. One is I would never bungee jump. I would never bungee jump naked. During this whole episode. Are you not freezing? Right, right. And it was cold there. It was like raining and cold. They were wearing like jackets. <laughs> and like every like activity they did in Latvia, there was like some like sexual element to it. Like Latvians are very horny, apparently. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> okay. Say it very frisky. <laughs> All right. What? What? Okay. So anyway, they do the bungee jumping, and the guy goes back. It's some guy. I don't even know his name. Some white, random white guy. He goes back and goes, "Yeah, yeah, we went bungee jumping, and we were naked." And then Luke P is furious about this because in Luke P's mind, like Hannah B's his wife already. <laughs> like he told her that he fell in love with her the first time he saw her. And so he's, he's dead serious. Crazy. He's bet. I was gonna say something. I'm not gonna say that. He's crazy. And then he's like. First of all, he's like, no way that happened. He doesn't believe the guy because, quote, he says, who would want to be naked with that guy? (laughs) 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 Which That was pretty funny to me. But anyway, so he goes and confronts Hannah B about it. He's like, I don't like this because I was, he was saying, I was excited for you to meet my family. Now I'm not so excited. How far along into the season are we at this point? Uh, Like episode wise, like seven. Okay. So we're like halfway through? Yeah, but I think it's only been like three weeks. Okay, so it's been like three weeks. Three weeks, and he going crazy over her like that? Right, right. And he's like saying how, you know, women, he said, your body's a temple, and I don't think you should just be showing it off. Oh, my. Right, right. It gets even worse. It gets even worse. And he says the family thing, like, I was excited for you to meet my family, and I just want to be confident to introduce you to my family. Like, he's saying, like, oh, I'm going to be embarrassed now. And then then he was like, and then she kind of like hit back at him, and she was like, I can do what." whatever I want with my body it's my body and he's yeah. like yeah I know and I'm gonna support you and I I'm gonna support everything you do and I'm gonna understand when you make boneheaded mistakes like this <laughs> and then the next she waits the next day to really confront him about it right and then the next day she's like you have no right to tell me she's like just going off on him and he's like I think you misunderstood what I was saying he's well, like how yeah how can you misunderstand and that? she's like you said 
that you felt like it was a slap in the face that I did this and that you were worried about me meeting your family now? And he's like, no, I was saying like, I was excited for you to meet my family oh my now. God. He just lies. He just like, I think he actually believes it, but he's a delusional person. But anyway, he stayed on the show. She kept him around again. For the drama. But this has happened like three times. So this, do you think it's the producers just like telling her that he ups the drama quotient? Or do you think they're actually going to get together? That's my thing. Like, I despise this guy, but I don't ever want him to go home. He's going to be the next Bachelor. I'm. That's what I wrote. I wrote a post about that he should be the next Bachelor just because he's horrible. And there's people on Twitter that like him, like women. That are like, I still like him. I don't care what anyone says. I like him. He looks so like I a say, mini Bryce. Get all those people in the same house. And that's like the greatest reality television show you can ever have. I have a lot of things to say about this. And they're all so angry and like far left field that no one needs me yelling into the microphone. But it's awful and it's wrong. And it's so, so destructive. He's really like just... He thinks like Hannah B's like helpless. I th- I feel like. Yeah, I mean, not only are his ideas about gender roles completely outdated. That's him. That's Bryce Harper. <clears throat> uh, he he looks like he looked like a great value Bryce Harper. Okay, I mean that's fine. He looks like Bryce Harper. He, but Bryce Harper looks like every other handsome white guy, and there are lots of handsome white guys out there. And there are a lot of them are in the house. There's also some <laughs> handsome black guys in the house. <laughs> There's only one left. There was a guy. Just, that, you can't. You cannot police a woman's body if she wants to be naked in front of anybody. That's her decision, and it's not about like maintaining purity or whatever. That's just that's utterly it, insane. They have like previews for the next couple of episodes, and it get, he gets even worse based on the previews. He's like, I need to know that you haven't been sleeping around with the other guys in the house because a woman's <laughs> body should be pure for marriage. Oh no, he doesn't. I, I am not oh exaggerating God. at all. If, if anything, he'd go stronger than what I just said. This gonna comes on a Monday, right? Yeah. I might have to tune in just to see you. him. Because I'm, like, really interested to see, like, how bad he is. Because, you know, you can explain it to somebody. But until you see it, right. you're like, oh, this guy's terrible. But, well, also, it could be that they're just kind of building him up for what will eventually be the comeuppance of Luke P. There's no way he's winning. The whole house hates him. Like he's already got his come comeuppance. Like every like the last like four weeks he's been. Yeah. So he's basically the villain. Right. Like the only one that likes him is Hannah B. There must be something they're not showing us where she actually does like him for some reason, other than the fact that he's like built and handsome. I mean But maybe it's not. It's clear he's gonna be the next bachelor. I don't even watch it, but I'm like, yo, I can see this guy like doing a promo, like I'm looking for love. I'm looking for somebody who's perfect and blah, blah, blah. But they're there is a point where it becomes irresponsible, though, to keep promoting those ideas, even if people are reacting against them, to give that person a platform. So if he becomes the bat next Bachelor, then you're co- co-signing on that kind of behavior. But I think also people are still going to tune in. So you could have like him being on Mr. Negative and, you know, his message might not his message might not be in the most positive. But if people are tuning in to hate this guy. Yeah, they got you. Well, we'll see what happens. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you for listening. And thank you to Claire, our intern, who has been hanging out and will produce the podcast. Uh, 